This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It is the Batter Up Podcast NLDS Preview Edition. Willie P., Joe Patrick, and Caleb Johnson here with you as we get you ready for the National League Division Series. And the Braves trying to advance past the NLDS for the first time since L1 after winning a playoff series for the first time in that time. Of course, the expanded postseason means that they're kind of back where they've started over the last couple of years. We'll see if they can get past that level. We say good morning to Joe Patrick. Hey, Willie P., how's it going, man? I'm well, sir. Hello, Caleb Johnson. What's going on? All right, guys. A uh, real quick recap of the very short two-game series with the Cincinnati Reds. Braves did what they needed to do, just enough on offense. I know some people will be kind of quibbling with the lack of offense in game one, but the Reds had pitchers too. Uh, I'm more surprised by the way they won this series, Caleb, and I do feel like when you think about the way that the Braves won this series, it's the way that you need to win all postseason series excellent pitching and just enough hitting well see that my whole thing is should we really be that surprised as far as the Braves only had to win two games with solid starting pitching and then turned it over to the bullpen it was one of those based on the performances of you know I think game one was the real concern based on you know we didn't know how Max Fried was going to look he looked spectacular and then you get into game two, and yeah, then you find out that Ian Anderson is, is truly the, the stud that we had hoped that he would be. So I wasn't necessarily surprised that starting pitching was was what carried through both of those games. It's just one of those, now that we move into a five-game series or a potential five-game series, now I'm like, okay, what's, you know, what, what, is, what is game three, potentially game four, going to look like? Yeah, of course, the, Joe. Go so, ahead. Well, I was, yeah, you're you're right that a five second game series is is going to test this rotation a lot more than it was. Like you weren't even going to really have to withstand the 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 real tests that we've known this team is going to have to face if it was going to make a late pu- uh, uh, long postseason push. You know, now there are the questions of does Max Fried come back around and pitch game five on short rest, you know, or if it's not him, like potentially somebody else. You know, those are the kinds of questions that the Braves are going to have to be asking uh, now uh, as those questions didn't really exist in the first series in a three game series. You know, you only carried three real starting pitchers Um, (laughs) and maybe like if you want to categorize Josh Tomlin as that um, who could have potentially started a game or something like that but anyway like the 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 starting pitching is going to be tested I think the question that I've been facing on radio hits and stuff like that and what I want to pose to you guys is kind of um 
are you do you have more confidence in this team based on the way that they won getting the starting pitching that you did out of guys like Max Fried and Ian Anderson or is it like oh man that's a sign that we ha- are going to have to pitch to that high level and I am not sure if we are actually going to get that again I feel like the team that we just beat is better than the Marlins but I do feel like playing the Marlins scares me more because of the fact that the Marlins have a little bit of mojo They've got that whole bottom feeders mentality. Uh, They're dealing with the fact that a bunch of teams don't really know how to get around their lineup. And also, they're featuring some pitchers with very little tape on them. Now, the thing that's fortunate for us is that we know them very well. We played them seven games in the month of September, including four in the final week of the season. Went three and one in that stretch, including clinching the NL East. But there's just something about familiarity when it comes to the postseason that I don't always like. I would have preferred to see the Cubs. I thought that the Marlins were a better team than the Cubs for that reason. And I do feel like that seeing the Cubs would have been a better matchup for us just because of the fact that the devil that you don't know, at least in the postseason, is better than the one you do. I do feel like the familiarity does favor us in some facets, but I do feel like uh, their pitchers knowing our hitters uh, gives them an advantage that I I just wasn't prepared to see. Though I do believe that you do get a little bit of confidence from the way that the Braves won. I just, uh, the thing that worries me, and I'm sure Caleb worries a lot of Braves fans, is they don't want to see the offense go into the same kind of malaise that it went in against the Cardinals a year ago. Yeah, that's definitely a concern. However, I would I would say it would be a concern unless you're playing the Marlins, and I think that was why I I felt so comfortable seeing this Marlins team. Is sure they're hot right now, and sure they've got the cool bottom feeders thing. It's kind of like how the Nationals had the baby shark thing last year, and every other team before them has some sort of little thing that kind of carries along with them that they take into the postseason. That's fine, but. The Braves have multiple times put gigantic scores up on the these Marlins teams. True. And and so I think knowing that in the back of your mind and knowing that in game two against the Reds that the bats finally broke out, it it just to me it kind of gives you a, a sense of of comfort. And and the big thing that me and Joe were talking about at the end of game two when we, we were doing the Facebook Live was that with all of the new uncertainties that have popped up with them playing in Houston at Minute Maid Park and this whole bubble environment, the one thing you're going to know is that the team you're playing against, you've beaten more times than they've beaten you this season, and you've put a bunch of runs on them. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Brian Snicker was talking about it when he spoke with media on Saturday. And, it, you know, he, he like his whole thing was that it works both ways, like where, yes, the Braves do feel confident, obviously, against a team where you've just you face them. You have really clear scouting instructions. Uh, you know, kind of what pitches are coming um, or generally, you know, you have better approach to the uh, to your at bats because you've seen these guys before. Uh, but that works both ways, and it's going to work for the Marlins as well. And if you're the Marlins, you'd surely rather be seeing the Braves. I mean, it's going to give you confidence that, you know, you lost four of four of ten, you know, but that's not terrible to to a team that you're going to be seeing in the NLDS as opposed to potentially them getting matched up against any other team, especially like the Padres or the Dodgers. Uh, so I think that it works in the Marlins' advantage as well, and I don't know if that, that if it kind of – 
equals itself out in terms of the confidence. I mean, I do think if you're the Braves, you have to feel confident. And it was something that we didn't talk about as much before the postseason series started because we wanted to focus on the Reds. But, you know, the Braves, I think, have to feel confident whether they were going to be playing the Marlins or the Cubs in this series because either one of those teams is clearly just uh, a worse team than you would be facing if you were in that upper quadrant of the of the playoff bracket. So, you know, I think that it's just going to be a hard fought series. I think you're going to see, I think the series is going to be representative of two teams that know each other very well. And you're just going, and and also the Marlins are kind of like a, they kind of remind me of like a, a miniature version of the Braves. Like they, they kind of have these um, dynamic players, young players, they're going to run, they're going, they're athletic, you know, they kind of do, they're very dynamic in a way that I see that the Braves are as well. So I think that for that reason, it's a, presents a very interesting matchup. Yeah, not exactly a group of uh, a lot of household names. You do have a guy like Starling Marte, who's obviously had success elsewhere and a former Brave and Matt Joyce, but uh, is, their leading is, home run hitter is... Do we, do we know Marte's uh, status? Because he got hit on the hand in the game two or game he three. He apparently was able to bat in the final game of the okay. uh, series against the Cubs, but I don't know uh, how many... Uh, more days of rest if that will allow him to be in the starting lineup come Tuesday night or not. Uh, the leading home run hitter for them is Brian Anderson, 11 homers, 38 RBIs. He's one of the few guys who actually got a, a full season in. Much of their roster was riddled with the uh, the COVID outbreak that they had uh, to start the season. Jesus Aguilar is somebody also you have to account for, a doubles guy and a home run guy. Same thing for Miguel Rojas. But, but like we said, guys, you know, it's a situation where you have – kind of a death of a thousand paper cuts type lineup, but more so than the Reds, this team does have some pop and you go into a ballpark in Houston that at least for right-handed power hitters is very friendly. How much does the ballpark and the venue play into this matchup between the Braves and Marlins? Personally, I don't really think it, it makes all that big a difference. Uh, maybe that's just me that maybe that's just kind of the approach I take because um, you know, you've my seen kind of, those Crawford boxes in left field, man. Only three hundred fifteen feet away. No, no. I mean, I think I definitely think it matters in terms of like that's just the way the ballpark plays. But I don't. I'm not convinced that it's going to like be a difference maker um, one way or another between these two teams. Like, who, who knows how many balls get out hit out there? But that's just, again, that's just like my. That's how I kind of approach these things in general in sports where it's like there could be a, a factor that does play out to one team's advantage but I think at this point it's kind of impossible to predict that and I mean it's kind of funny when we make these predictions the things that we were talking about on this podcast yeah. before the Red Series definitely didn't like <laughs> come to fruition so um, you know but I think that it will be interesting to see again going back to what Brian Snicker said at the very beginning of the season about the teams that are able to adapt are going to be the ones that have the most success and going into this bubble environment is a perfect example of that, of like which team is going to be able to, um, you know, just take it all in stride, take this abnormal, weird uh, circumstance and make it normal enough so that they're able to perform their best. And and I think that that's going to be a huge factor. Well, I was going to say that, like, on the one hand of this ballpark, it seems like the with both teams not having played there this season, that that should be the great equalizer. The one thing that I think will lean a bit towards the Marlins is the fact that they're used to playing in a in a dome, like in a in a covered stadium, whereas the the Braves have played outdoors. So is there any, you know, inkling of of better reads and things that the Marlins are used to dealing with those lights more often that that could help them? I mean, 
maybe, but I really don't think it's anything that would truly, you know, pivot the series one way or the other. The other thing about the Marlins is that, you know, they I mean, they've gotten a lot of credit for the the offense that they had against the, the, the two games against the Cubs. If you just look at it, they only they really only scored in one inning, the seventh inning. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those if the Braves circle the seventh, you know, kind of <laughs> put put the focus on there. Uh, you know, it, you kind of think, well, they should be all right. It well, plays it, into the Braves bullpen very much so. Yeah, I was gonna say exactly. I know that Will and I have have talked about this. I know Will's been mentioning it on his show, but the Braves are undefeated this year when they have a lead after six innings. So yeah, it's kind of strength versus strength in that respect, but. You know, it will be interesting, again, something that Brian Snicker was talking about on Saturday as it relates to the bullpen is, you know, it's a longer series, so he's going to have to, and and they're all back-to-back, so you're not getting any of those rest days for your bullpen, so when you use a guy, you've got to be thinking kind of down the line how it affects his availability for the next game or the game after that if you have to use him again and you know he said that he'll he'll use a guy four out of five days you know like like some guys are probably going to need be needed in in that scenario Uh, I think you know your top guys Will Smith Mark Melanson those guys especially uh, will be involved in that group I'm sure but it's going to be a different challenge for this bullpen and you just uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how they're able to deal with that kind of workload yeah, even in the last series, uh, Snitker even said that he wouldn't have ruled out using guys three days in a row if he had to, just based on the fact that uh, you kind of have to have all hands on deck in that scenario. Uh, one big absence in the Marlins, you mentioned, of course, Marte, Joe, but uh, no Jose Urena. That is something that is, uh, I think, a lot of uh, a welcome sign for a lot of Braves <laughs> fans just because of uh, – his antagonist nature that at least relates to Ronald Acuna. Uh, Their pitching staff, again, not exactly one that you look at and say you're going to be completely scared by. They're going to throw Sandy Alcantara in game one. It looks like in game two, they'll go with Sixto Sanchez. But the fact is you're dealing with a pitching staff that doesn't really have an experienced frontline starter. How much is Urania's uh, departure from the roster uh, at least lean things more in the Braves' direction? I think I mean I think it's a huge loss for the Marlins. He's arguably the best starting pitcher you have. I mean he he would definitely be a guy that you'd be trotting out there in one of these first games. So, uh, you know, I think that it's a big loss for them on the field. I am kind of torn about it because for as as much like uh, emotions and angst as his um presence antics. Antics. <laughs> yeah, just say just antics. His 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 mere presence on the field um, brings out in brace hands. I find that interesting. <laughs> you know, I find it as a as a fun storyline. And you hope that sometimes his uh, quote unquote antics don't end up like injuring a player like Ronald Acuna. But um, but it's fun. You know, I think it makes the game more exciting. Uh, not that you again, not that you, you're kind of there to see that. But I'm just dis- I'm kind of disappointed that he's not going to be involved just for that reason. Well, I was about to say my thing with Urena not being there is just based on. This season alone, the Braves score tend to score a good number of runs when he's specifically pitching. Yeah, that was the what the the last time uh, I I pulled it up. The last time that they saw each other was on the twenty seventh or twenty second of August, and the Braves put four runs on him and ended up scoring eleven in an eleven to one win. And you know, I'm I'll take that. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those like. 
Yeah, yeah he didn't him. pitch well this year. He was only 0-3 this year in five starts. And again, he was uh, one of those uh, 17, 18 or so guys who didn't start the year uh, because of COVID-19 outbreaks. So his season was significantly curtailed. The best guy that they had, at least uh, lengthwise, or at least the guy who made the most starts was Pablo Lopez. He's probably going to factor into game three, though he's somebody who I feel like, again, kind of slots behind uh, Sandy Alcantara, who has pitched very, very well down the stretch, and Sixto Sanchez, who has made uh, just seven career starts but looked pretty sparkling in each of them. And and that's, I think, the guy who, uh, if you're looking for a game that could possibly swing in the Marlins' direction, I feel like game two is the pivotal game of this series. Uh, him against Anderson, look, Ian Anderson has answered the bell every time we've asked it of him. He's somebody who has never found it uh, too big. Uh, the moment is never too big for him. Uh, I think you're right now, I, I don't want to say you're flirting with uh, with Doom here just because he's done so well. I feel like you expect him to do well once again. But if there's a game, at least that if you look at that one, could possibly concern me, it's that one just because of the fact that uh, I'm hoping we haven't uh, exercised all the pixie dust that we have uh, at least available to us when it comes to Anderson, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I think I, I would expect another really solid start out of Anderson. And I will, I will again also mention that when Brian Snicker uh, talked to the media on Saturday, you know, the, these pitchers that didn't pitch in the wild card series have been get, getting some work in these workouts, uh, simulated games they've been throwing um, at the at Truist Park on Friday and Saturday. And uh, Brian Snicker seemed impressed with Kyle Wright's simulated game like he he didn't talk about it in depth but he was like man he looked good um so that's encouraging because Kyle Wright's a guy who obviously is going to be a key figure in this series although he wasn't in the last series I think he's going to he's he's going to be a huge pivotal point for the Braves and he's just really been improving drastically over the last month or so I think his last three or four starts that he made in the regular season were clear progressions forward for him which is great to see because how many times have we seen Kyle Wright take one step forward and two steps back during his mm -hmm. Braves career uh it was great to see him just have that continued progression just going from point a to point b to point c just progressing and again what we heard from from Brian Snicker sounded encouraging so it's going to be fascinating to see how these pitchers get on you know from the Marlins side as well these guys just are young pitchers Brian Snicker said that they are the x factor that makes them dangerous in any series they're going to play because you know these guys are can go out there and you know I think what I when I look at the Marlins I look at inconsistency like they could go out there and give up 29 runs or right. they could go out there and you know pitch and pitch a no hitter or something like you, you, you there's just such a wide variance in what you're going to get out of those guys so I think for that reason and probably for the Braves as well you could say the same thing out of their starting pitchers so I think all that makes for a really exciting series I think we're going to get is there any specific Braves hitter that has to get back on track for for this series to you know to swing the Braves way Dansby Swanson. Mm. Yeah. That's that's the guy I'm looking at. I feel like you, you saw something out of Acuna in game two, uh, same thing out of Azuna. Uh, I, I got to see the regular season Dansby in this series if it's me. That's just my, my opinion for that. He was a guy yeah. I gave a shout out on Dukes and Bell last week talking about, uh, or maybe it was, uh, it, no, it was because Carl definitely asked me the question, so it must have been two weeks ago. But Two weeks ago. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, he was a guy that I had pinpointed as a guy that would be key in the red series. And I don't know if he got a hit. <laughs> he did. He got one. Did he? Okay. Well, that's, good. That's good. Yeah. That, that's kind of been my whole thing with 
I mean, is this is this team going to be fine to make a true postseason surge to the World Series with Marquecas hitting like he is? <laughs> it's one of those like, is that just gonna have to stay a hole? I guess that just just gonna. Oh, all right, yeah. I mean, he's he's turned into Ender, quite honestly. Right. Like, oh, if yeah. everyone wants wow. to rip my guy, wow. If every, if everyone wants to rip my guy, Ender Enciarte, who self-proclaimed you know, member and founder of the Ender Enciarte Club, throwing that shade on yeah. cakes, man. I don't know if I, I don't know if I can allow that. Marcakis is true. like Ender, but it's like maybe he can hit a ground ball to the right side to move to advance a guy to third. You know, like right? It's like maybe at he least can. Mar- maybe at least cakes is fundamentally sound. Yeah, uh, he's hit. I was about to say, didn't he? He hit into a crucial maybe. double play game one yeah. against yeah. the Reds. Yeah. Like, I didn't say he was clutch. I said he's fundamentally sound. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is the uh, paradox. Is paradox the right word? I don't know. The the this is the the tough situation that it comes down to with Brian Snicker and Nick Markakis on the same roster within the yeah. same organization. It's just far from he's far going from to falling play. out he's of bed and, and hitting two eighty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, remember, remember when we were doing that and we were making fun of him saying that? Yeah, but I don't that know. Seems like, like forever ago. I would love to see Christian Pache get more playing time, but. I, you know, this is the playoffs, and Brian Snick- <laughs> Brian Snicker is going to be rolling with Nick Marcakis. I don't even know why we should even entertain other ideas because I think we all know what it's going to be. How? Yeah, how, how, I was just going to say guys. some playing time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let, let's kind of. So, I have something here with with the Pache thing because when I saw him on the NL Wild Card roster, I thought. Those sneaky, grimy Braves, man. <laughs> oh like, yeah, you weren't you weren't here to get to talk about this. I forgot. I wasn't. I I really, really wasn't. And and I I do feel like that's just a sneaky, grimy little thing. It's that's basically admitting to everybody, to God and everybody. Hey, we don't really believe in Ender and Ciarte, but we couldn't get anybody to take him, and we didn't want to start the clock on Pache. And that was incredibly grimy stuff. And it's the stuff on the the business of baseball side. That just makes me squirm. Like I just, I, I hated that. I hated seeing that, and not not necessarily for the kid, but it just tells me that the kid got screwed this year from playing in the no, in, a, in a regular no. season. No, well, me and Joe kind of already talked about this a little bit, obviously, when you weren't here. And the thing that the point that I made was at the time you had Ender who couldn't be optioned, you had his contract which couldn't be traded, and then you couldn't spend a, a a decent amount of time carrying both Pache and Ender on mm-hmm. the roster. Like that was a valuable roster spot to have, I'm sure, for an arm. And so there's no reason to bring up Pache when you can't do anything with Ender. And quite honestly, I mean it, you know, offensively, the the little bit of time that we did get to see Pache this year didn't really wow anybody. So three games Exactly. So it's one of those. I mean, you know what you're going to get out of Ender. Nothing. You're going to get nothing out of Ender. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get some some defensive comfort uh, and just no offense. And so it was like, yeah, there's no. It it didn't make sense when the clock was running. Comfort in Yankee Stadium, Caleb. Was it defensive comfort? Uh, Look, hey, you want to you want to start pointing to guys who making defensive blunders? Look no further than Nick Markakis. Like that's. I mean. (laughs) <laughs> I know. I, I know. I've been on Nick Markakis. Well, I've already said say, that he's old. And he'd be... <laughs> well, I was about to say. You know what I've done is I, I, I've pushed the the frustration everyone has 
at Ender. I'm trying to like shove it in a, in a different direction. <laughs> and that's just the easy one to do right now. But yeah, deflecting. it's one of those. You are deflecting, Caleb. Yeah. You are total deflection right now. But it is. But it's, He's protecting it's his, his adult son. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought about, you know, we, we've been doing the, the Zoom stuff. I have an Ender jersey, and I really almost considered wearing it, you know, like crisscross style, wear, <laughs> wear it backwards so the, the name plate is across my chest kind of mm. thing, but I, I haven't done it so far. A decent reference out of you, by the way. Yeah, I, I were know. You alive? Were you alive when crisscross yes. was? Okay. Yes, I was. Okay. I, I mean, I, I'm, I might have been a baby, but I was alive. Okay. Uh, also, I just I know my history in general. But getting back, to the, getting back to the Ender things, like, yes, like every player is going to have those defensive blunders especially out in outfield. I mean, Marcelo Zuna is not exactly a gold glove out in left field. But, no. But so it, it makes sense, though, why, why the Braves did that. And then they showed their true colors by being like, yeah, Ender, you're not on the roster, and Pache will at least have you pinch run. Yeah, I, I'm more, I mostly just felt bad for Pache that clearly the, the circumstances on the roster just didn't prevent him from playing more this season and maybe maybe there was some kind of some service time shenanigans also being considered manipulation you could say it's manipulation (laughs) sure sure i mean yeah that that would be the argument but i uh, but i really think that the 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 reason that he was not more involved was down to really the inflexibility that um ender and ciarte kind of presented just his contract just creates a little bit of friction within uh the uh, well, for a player just like Pache, who would who would he was like the exact kind of player that uh, that Ender and Diarte's contract kind of denies. So tough luck for him. But I think clearly what to your point, he's the better player as judged as evidenced by the fact that he's on this postseason roster and he'll be playing in the biggest games of the season this postseason and Ender and Ciarte won't. And he will be playing in the biggest game. He'll be playing next season. I, I, I have full confidence that Christian Pache will be Braves player day one next year. And uh, just to clarify, uh, them putting him on the postseason roster means nothing for his service time. So that's Correct. part of the reason why the Braves can get away with those, as you termed it, shenanigans. Shenanigans. All right, prediction time. Final five minutes. What do we think is going to happen? First, Joseph. I'm going to say Braves in, oh man, I want to say either Braves in three or Braves in five. I have, I struggle to see the Braves winning a game four because, (laughs) because of the way that their starting rotation lines up. Um, So I'll say Braves in, I'll say Braves in five. CJ. I think that Bryce Wilson can step up to the moment because it's the postseason. And I'm There's only saying, one October. Yeah, I'm I'm saying Braves in four. Okay. Uh, just because I I honestly believe, and this is much like I thought with the Red Series, and so I'd love to be proved wrong, but I think game one could be problematic. And uh I think the the Marlins could pull out a game one and this thing ends up taking or well, yeah. Game one or game two, I think are definitely Marlins, but I, I think the most disastrous thing that could happen for the Braves is in that game one where, you know, you got a guy like Max Fried who granted he threw great in against the Reds, but still doesn't have a huge, you know, work steady workload coming into this series. So if he gets knocked out early or something, you have to 
heavily rely on the bullpen in game one and you lose that game, I think that's kind of the most disastrous thing. Uh, again, with oh, this sure. tight and time frame, any team that really has to exhaust its bullpen early in the series is going to be in trouble. I say Braves in four. Uh, I'm very much in the similar vein of Caleb. I do feel like they'll win game one. I feel like Sanchez will outduel the kid Anderson in game two. I feel like you'll get a representative performance from Kyle Wright, maybe some late game heroics in game three. And then between Bryce Wilson and Waskar Yanoa, you you patch together six or seven innings, and then you nail it down with your final three, and you go on your face to the Dodgers. I feel like Braves in four is the uh, is the confident ploy. Um, if there is an avenue for victory for the Marlins, guys, what what avenue is that? Is it getting to their starting pitching or beating the bullpen? What, what do you think is more likely? I think I think the way that the Marlins would win the series is just through getting really great starting pitching, essentially outpitching the Braves and then just doing those really annoying things that teams like the Marlins do where you like steal bases and um and just kind of outwork the other team like I don't just just grind out runs, manufacture those runs and then get the starting pitching that you need. I was I was about football, to say those football really football term sounds like stealing possessions almost kind of thing. Well, it's very Dan Quinn-esque. I was about to say, Joe, with the they do those really annoying things, you know, just that those <laughs> fundamental baseball things, yeah. you know, the, yeah, yeah. running the base pads. <laughs> but but for real though, I mean, if the Marlins are going to win, they're going to get to starting pitching. I think, uh, at least in my opinion, I think that uh, once our relievers get out, once the Braves relievers get out there, things things will calm down or be all right. But uh, if they can get to starting pitching. And put up some some big numbers. And also, I don't even know that their starting pitching has to be great. Just for whatever reason, if the Braves decide that their mentality is going to be aggressive and they start taking strikeouts, that could be a thing that really puts Atlanta in some big trouble. Yeah, they really tried to ambush the Reds pitchers in the last mm-hmm. series, and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Nope. Had Nick Markakis looking stupid with some swings. <laughs> They were not. I'm not happy with this with this Nick Markakis slant. Hey, I, I, I still can't get over some of the Braves at bats in that oh, yeah. series. So bad, like the worst at bats I've seen from these guys. A lot of them all season. Because it was it was swinging for the fences or just like they were trying to be Superman. And it's and it's weird too. I know we're like we're wrapping up or whatever, but it's weird for a Brian Snicker managed team to do that because you would think like he's yeah. got the experience to be like all right guys <laughs> chill out you know <laughs> they, like, apparently, yeah. they apparently didn't get that talk from a rod that home runs are empty calories yeah. and that and that getting guys <laughs> yeah. over and, and the fundamental baseball you really got a, is healthy you really eating got, you really got a putt to win the u.s open yeah i was about to say and all, all <laughs> someone all someone needed to do was print out a rod statistics <laughs> over his career and just hand it to him on the broadcast and say, uh, uh, Mr. Rodriguez, could you just read through those? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, you were no better. So Can we take care of one debate too, by the way? Bunting was not the thing to do in game nope. one. Thank nope, you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Okay. Because I was, uh, people were getting, people were getting at me on that while I was on the air and I was just like, you you haven't watched baseball in the last five years. No one bunts anymore. Yeah. Like, Stop. Nick Markakis hasn't had a sacrifice since there was a bush in the White House, okay? <laughs> and Dansby had one over the last two years. So, you know, quit your bo- belly aching. Speaking of our belly aching, 
We will be back on with you uh, after every Braves postseason game on Facebook. That's Facebook.com slash 92.9 The Game. Facebook.com slash 92.9 The Game. Uh, we'll try to get it as close to the final out as possible so that we can get all three of us on there. It might just only be two of us at any time, but uh, we'll try as much as we possibly can to get uh, as much of us that you can possibly consume. We had a lot of great responses and uh, also a lot of great views for the Red Series. We hope that you join us for the series against the Marlins. Again, after every game, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday and Saturday, if necessary. And hopefully we're talking about an NLCS preview at this time next week. For Joe Patrick, for Caleb Johnson, I'm Willie P. Wilpelogic. Thank you for listening to Batter Up on 92.9 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.